Good morning again. It's good to be here with you this morning. And for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been doing a short series. Ken started it and then um, I continued it with last week's sermon on life and spiritual transitions. And we've been focusing on some of the emotional impacts of major changes that we experience. And our tradition has lots of stories that help us just to describe what these kinds of major transitions are like, right? With different characters responding to shifts in different ways, just like we humans do. And so last week we looked at Saul, the one that became Paul. And this week we're gonna look at Jonah. It's a pretty well-known story. The story of Jonah and specifically of what it was like for Jonah when he was inside the belly of a large fish. Now, Jonah's whole story is really a metaphor for major transitions. So in his case, his transition was one of moving from a place of resisting God to a place of coming into greater harmony with the divine and what that looked like and what that felt like for him. Now, we could note that the end of his story shows that he didn't maybe grow quite as much as we hope that he might as, as the reader or the listener, but that's, that's another sermon. I'll look forward to preaching that one at some point. But this time, we're just going to look at the transition time. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to read a bit of his story, and I'm going to just pause and offer some thoughts as we go through it. And for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with the story, I'm just going to give you the really quick setup here. And the quick setup is this. God asked Jonah to do something. He refused, and he got on a boat and ran away. And then a big storm erupted. And in the literature, that's probably describing like the internal unrest that Jonah was feeling, right? And then to quell that inner turmoil that he was feeling, he hurls himself overboard into the sea. And that's where we pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And I'll copy and paste the scripture into the chat function as we go along. So Jonah 1, the eternal didn't let Jonah die. He chose a large fish to swallow Jonah. For three days and three nights, Jonah sat safely inside the belly of this fish. To his God, the eternal, Jonah prayed from inside this great fish, which may or may not have been a whale. The word is actually just great fish. So three days is a number that we see a lot in the Bible. And we see it a lot when it comes to describing like how long it takes for um, like significant things to happen. Right, so like Jonah, three days in the belly of a fish. Jesus, three days in the tomb. Saul, who we talked about last week, spent three days blind in Damascus. Those come to mind right away. And one hypothesis for why the number three shows up so often is because people throughout history have like noticed and looked at the moon cycle. And we've noticed that in the moon cycle, we can't see the moon for a few days between the waxing and the waning. Right, so for about three days per month, there's no natural light in the darkness and everything seems a little more hidden. And this is a little like that, the stories seem to say. Right, this transition, whatever transition that is, it's like the darkness of night without the moon. It's hard to see the path in front of you and options are unclear and your surroundings are a little more unknown and concealed. And when three days is used in the Bible, that doesn't mean that it isn't descriptive in the literal sense. I think it really depends on the story, but that it also works on a metaphorical level. And so in Jonah's particular case, because of the way the story is written, I think it is simply metaphorical. 
So I know that that metaphor resonates with me and has been resonating with me here as you know, life has started to integrate a little bit more and open up post COVID and just like, what are things going to look like and what are things going to feel like? And I feel like there's still a lot that's so hidden and unknown and that that can be a little bit unsettling. And I know that like grief can feel a little bit like that. I know a couple of you who have lost parents here in the last couple of weeks and grief can feel unsettling and hidden and like there's not like a set path for what that looks like. Um, losing a job or changing a job can feel like that. Coming out can certainly feel like that, especially depending on your um, sort of your environment that you're in. But what I noticed from this text here is that Jonah sat safely inside the belly of this fish during this transition, right? God sent help. And even in the days of hiddenness and uncertainty that Jonah was held by the divine. So let's go ahead and read on here. This is Jonah who is talking to us. He's got a monologue going on here inside the belly of the whale, starting with chapter two, verse one. With desperate cries, I beckoned the eternal to hear, and they answered me. From the belly, the place of death, I cried out to you, and you've responded to my voice. You threw me into the watery depths and cast me into the middle of the chaotic seas. The waters closed in around me. Your waves broke over me. Your surf swelled as I sank into the depths. So when I read that, I notice a couple of things here in the middle of, or at the beginning here of Jonah's monologue. Um, the first thing I notice is that he's crying to God, right, from desperation in the middle of this turmoil that he's experiencing, like in the waves. And I notice that God answers. But then Jonah turns around and blames God for his predicament. Right? He says, you threw me into the watery depths. Your waves broke over me. Your surf swelled as I sank into the depths. Right? It's like, this is your creation. You did this. And it made me think of like, like when a family gets a pet and nobody's taking responsibility for the pet. Right? And then suddenly it's like, well, it was your idea to get a dog in the first place. Right? Jonah's kind of pulling a classic blame somebody else for your pain move that I think is very human and very relatable in that. And then he goes on and he says, oh yeah, I got an amen from Cassie who just got a dog. <laughs> uh, then I said to you, I've been driven out from before your very eyes. Still, I know that I'll gaze on your holy temple. And so from this, we see that Jonah's feeling the lack of God's presence, right? And that's a real common feeling for us humans, especially when we're struggling or when we're in the midst of a stressful event, right? It doesn't mean God isn't there, but it's something that we often experience. And so I feel Jonah's cry as like solidarity with the experience of most of humankind, right? Of, of feeling like nobody is throwing you a rope in the middle of a crisis. Right, that this is what transition periods feel like. And so sometimes we end up saying things like, God, it's your fault. Where are you when I need help? And I don't think like this text is meant to be shaming for that, right? I don't think it's meant to like call us out or make us feel small about that human tendency. I think it's meant to let us know like we're not alone if we've ever been in that place, right? That's so common. And then it goes on, it says, paste that in. 
The waters swallowed me. The deep abyss was covering over me. Seaweeds were wrapped around my head, trapping me. As I sank down to where the mountains are rooted to the earth, I went down to the place where death's gate would lock me in forever. Yet you lifted me up from the pit. Eternal one, you are my God. Okay, so it turns out it doesn't take too long for Jonah to be like, okay, maybe you were actually there all along. Maybe you were there ready to just wrap me in safety. And I think time is usually what it takes to get that perspective. But I also just want to note the feelings that he's describing here. I mean, this is actually a pretty intense packet, um, little passage. Right? He's saying it, it feels like, right? This is transitions. It feels like I'm drowning. It feels like I'm tangled up in a bunch of seaweed and I can't break free. It feels like I'm sinking, right? And that this is just never going to end. Right, those are the feelings of major changes. Let's go on and read the end of it. <clears throat> Only as my life was fading away did I remember the eternal. To your sacred dwelling, to your holy temple, my cries did rise to you. Those who worship worthless idols turn their back on God and renounce their loyal love. But I will sing to you and sacrifice to you with a voice filled with thanksgiving. Whatever I promised, I will certainly pay it, because deliverance is from the eternal alone. And then Jonah stops speaking, and the text says, Then the eternal one directed the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the shore. Right, so here we see Jonah thinking about what he'll do and how he'll be after he's okay again. Right, he says, To your sacred dwelling. Your holy temple, my cries did rise to you, right? He's imagining himself praying at the temple. I'll be there, God, crying out to you. I will sing to you and sacrifice to you with a voice filled with thanksgiving. And sometimes songs and practices of thanksgiving, um, sometimes they can be really helpful in the midst of a crisis or change for some people. And other times and for other people, they're not. And I feel like Jonah here is a little bit like, look, I'll do this later. And I know it'll come because I can like feel the beginnings of these more hopeful feelings. But it's not right now. And when I was reading the end here of Jonah's monologue today, it actually, um, I mean, this week when I was looking at it, it reminded me of a proverb that has sometimes stuck out to me. This is Proverbs 2520. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. I'll read that again. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Man, who does that? Like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Right? And sometimes the grieving say amen to that. There's a time and a season for singing and thanksgiving and hope, and maybe for you that's in the midst of trial, and maybe for you it's after. With Jonah, we see him desperately crying out to God, and we see him fighting and blaming and feeling overwhelmed, and not to mention the very visceral picture 
that this story paints of him being in the stomach of a big fish. Right? I just tried to place myself in the stomach of a big fish in my mind. And if that's too claustrophobic for you to imagine, don't worry about it. But I was thinking about it this week and I was like, oh, God, it's just you're surrounded by darkness. You're stuck in this place that smells bad and it's filled with stomach acid and probably other fish being broken down. Like it's a gross, scary place to be. And then if you carry the metaphor all the way through, I was thinking about like being in a the belly of a whale and thinking about what it would be like with the whale swimming and just like how seasick you would be with just like all of the movement and the swimming and how transitions probably feel like this, like you're just going over these waves and you're safe, but it's still not pleasant, right? It's a really, really rough patch that Jonah is in. And I want to say that, like, I don't believe God places us in these unpleasant situations. And I don't believe that God, like, causes the pain that comes from these kind of upheavals. And I don't think the book of Jonah ascribes that blame to God either. It actually tells us that God doesn't cause the turmoil, but rather that God holds us in the midst of it. Right. And that trials are often when we develop wisdom, that these are when we find ourselves sometimes in absolute desperation, just leaning into the divine love for comfort and learning to trust that we're held like Jonah in the belly of a fish and that one day this too shall pass. And it might feel like we're being vomited out onto a beach, but it shall pass, right? All right, let's go ahead and do a meditation. So if you're newer, we often do a minute or two of either just silence with some relaxed breathing and some mindfulness. Sometimes we do a guided meditation. I thought today we'll do a little bit of a guided meditation. Um, I do see a question. Actually, before we do the guided meditation, I will take that question because it's a good question. Um, I don't know, Jody. do I think this story literally happened? I think it's a metaphorical story. I think there are some um, books that are written or some stories that are meant to be more of a historical account. There's many of those, but Jonah is more, um, I think, story. We see it was written at the end of the Babylonian Empire. And I think it is meant to talk about some of that experience and what the trauma of that experience was like, right? So when, um, to speak more personally, like as, as Ken and I were thinking about like, gosh, what does it feel like as we transition back into quote unquote normal life and normal church? We're like, man, we've got so many stories in our tradition that sustain us, right? That have told us um, what these kinds of transitions are like. And so like Saul being blind for three days, it's like Jonah being in the belly of a whale. It's like Daniel in a lion's den, right? There's all kinds of really visceral pictures that seem like, oh, these are the stories we just sort of know when we learned in Sunday school, but they're actually very um, sort of mature accounts of the emotional impacts of, of these sort of major events on humans. And so that's the reason for kind of going and sitting with some of these, um, like, I was like, you know, I've read Jonah many times, but it had been a while. And I went back and I just read his monologue and I was like, wow, that that is actually one of the most descriptive pieces of literature or poetry about depression that I've ever seen. Right. And so I thought, let's let's just look at that, because I think we find hope in that as well. So 
good question. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can it not? It might be. It might be both. I do think I Fayonette's question. I think that we have to look at the genre and the way that a book was written or a story was written. And sometimes like, well, that, that's a whole other, that's probably a longer discussion than we could do right now. But I mean, it can be both. Um, like I believe Three Days in the Tomb is a both, is a both and. So let's go ahead and, and move into the time of meditation. So I'll just invite you that if you would like to, you can um, you know, just get yourself comfortable. If you're in a place where you can put feet on the ground or feet on something, um, that's helpful sometimes to just feel the ground under your feet, feel your chair, your couch underneath you. Just relax and let's take a couple of deep breaths at your own pace and just sort of feel your body ease into the moment. I invite you as you're relaxing and breathing, if you'd like to just picture yourself outside on a moonless night, walking on a path. And as you're breathing, just picture, you know, kind of what you think your surroundings might look like, noting that it's dark. You think you're in a forest? Are you trying to get across the field? walking through your neighborhood. And as you're walking, you notice that you can see, you can see a few paces in front of you, but you really can't see up ahead. It's like you've got just enough light or just enough eyesight to kind of see where to put your feet one step at a time. What does it sound like? What does it smell like out there? And now as you're walking, I invite you to revisit the verse that Nathan Heemstra read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or if you wanna use the version that I had Nathan read, the Lord is my shepherd, I will always have everything I need. And then as you're breathing in, you could use the Lord is my shepherd. And as you're breathing out, just say, I shall not want or I shall have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can do that as you're just watching that path in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's do that for about 30 seconds to a minute and I'll let you know when that's up. Let me close with this prayer. Just, Lord, as we're moving forward one step at a time, I ask that we would experience you leading us and guiding us. We ask that you would help us to look to your divine spirit um, to show us the paths forward. Ask that we would experience your peace, that we would feel held and enveloped by you, that even when things might feel a little bit gross or a little bit icky or a little scary or there's emotions flying around at work or whatever it is, Lord, that we will just feel like we are encased and that you have us. We ask that you would help us to know that you are our shepherd and that we shall have everything we need as we move. In your name we pray. Amen.